All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Fred, you know what I haven't mentioned yet today? No, what? We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about um, the ads. We're going to talk a little bit more about the ads. How about Mizzou? Oh, yeah. Taking down Tennessee. That last second shot. Last second shot at the buzzer. Number six, Tennessee. The Tigers ranked right now. They slipped into the top 25, which that's that's fine. I am i don't really care at this point. I just wanted to get a good seed. I mean, for me, it's all about a good seed in the NCAA tournament. And what you don't want is you don't want the eight or nine seed. So if you slip a little bit here, though. Like, because I, you I think play it, another even you, well, you play a one. A one. Yeah, you're likely. You know, will you play right. a one or a sixteen? You're you're probably not going to play a sixteen. <laughs> right. So, well, remember the, that was the case when Mizzou almost knocked off UCLA, who eventually was the, uh, you know, the champion in whatever year that was, ninety four or ninety five, when they had the uh, Ty Sedney four point six seconds across oh, the court. They yeah. were eight nine seed. Uh, that year, and they'd won the first game, and then they faced UCLA. But in this particular case, you don't want that just because it's a little tougher. Look, you got to win the games no matter what, but that was a hell of a victory for the Tigers. All right, Abby, did you watch the Super Bowl? You're not as into the sports as as we are. Yeah, I watched all the Super Bowl, or I was on my phone the whole time while it was on in the same room. Do you watch the ads? I watched most of them, yes. Okay, sampling here. Hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. We're just dollars a day. You can help helpless animals. This is pretty funny, actually. Find shelter. Bush. Wrong shelter, Sarah. <laughs> Yo, these are the bomb. And they're air popped, not fried. Popcorners. You're an artist. That was the uh, Breaking Bad commercial with, yeah, that uh, was with good. Tuco. That was good. Actually, Jesse, it's just basic ingredients. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. White! Welcome to Dunkin' and new special. Dunkin' run medium or large coffee. Get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and well, good? Pretty no sugar. I'm just going to have to just... Yeah, ben Affleck played a Dunkin' Donuts drive through like guy. That was pretty good. Now, I, I felt like the... Uh, I had lunch with some friends of mine today, and we may have agreed on this as well. I thought the Miles Teller ad where he was dancing with his wife, Kaylee, the Bud Light commercial was fantastic. I really thought... Maybe she was on hold. Do you remember that one? Oh, Abby, yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah. 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 So it was basically, you know, essentially trying to get you through a um, customer service call, and Miles Teller is certainly a um, pretty cool dude. Hot actor right now, so I like that one. What else, Fred? Did you like anything else? Oh, I liked a ton of them. Um, I liked it. It was a an ad with a black Labrador puppy, and they followed it as it was, as it was growing up with the, oh, the yeah. owner. Yes. That, that was a really like, what was that for? Um, I like that one the, too. The... Was it for um, the dog food? Was it for farmer's dog? Uh, Something I like that. I think it was that. Farmer's See, Dog. that's the thing. We never know it farmer's because pet? I did like that ad, but yeah, I wasn't really farmer's quite dog, sure dog. who it was for. I like the Will Ferrell one. Do you remember that one? Yeah. I can't Wait, remember. That was, that, for, was, was that, that for one for of the a, EVs? A, yeah. Yeah. And then it had all the like Netflix shows in it, too. Yeah, he crashed into the Netflix shows. 
Here's the thing, though. Here we sit here. What was the guy that we used to work with, Fred? We used to do this handicapping every Monday after the Super Bowl. Tim Burton, who was yeah. a guy that was sort of, he was a production guy in the building, and Tim was great. He would do, you know, a bunch of stuff with us uh, relating to the Super Bowl. He doesn't work here anymore. But one of the things he always said, remember, he got kind of crabby because he <laughs> thought the effective ads were the ones that people would remember. And we're sitting here, we can't even remember what some of the products <laughs> what, were. What about the one with the dog that was like ripping up the house whenever the owners went out? So that was a great commercial because what you thought was going to happen right. is that they were going to kennel that dog and put that little puppy in a kennel and you're like no don't do that and i'm you know i i I can appreciate dogs being in kennels when they're at home because i've had to do that with some dogs had a bulldog many years ago he always had to be in the kennel because he would eat the furniture right i've usually kenneled my dogs when they're puppies you know before they get old enough but in that particular case my wife is even reacting in real time when they were showing that and then you see that they brought another dog into the family so i thought that what what did you think about the rock stars one with the old rock stars that was for something called Workday. I thought that was hilarious. I, that didn't do anything for me. No? <laughs> Maybe because I didn't. Re- I see enough aging rock stars in my real life when I'm going to concerts. So I, don't, <laughs> I thought of you about I'm that. Like, when I don't that really want to see aging rock stars. You know who had a big day, though? I'm telling you. He's had a big season overall. And I'm not talking about Patrick Mahomes. John I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about Jesus. Oh. The eyes of a child. What a I think these, and I've referred to these ads over the course of time because, man, Jesus does have a hell of a, uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't probably say hell of an ad budget, <laughs> but the ads are pretty good. But, you know, people are bent out of shape, Fred. Did you see some of the reaction? I thought AOC was yeah, upset a- about it. AOC doesn't like it, right? She, she's she got, um, she's all worked up about it and some of the other liberals too. My goodness, here, I have, uh, I have some tweets here. <laughs> I love, uh, something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. What the hell is wrong with her? Uh, Sawyer Hackett, I don't know who that is. Anybody know who that is? With the money that he gets us people spent on the right-wing Jesus ads, they could permanently house 1,563 people experiencing homelessness. Shut up, Spencer. Really? Or Sawyer, whatever your name is. Same thing. Sawyer, Spencer, Spencer, dumb name. If Jesus were alive today... I apologize to people named Sawyer or Spencer out there, by the way. Uh, Brooklyn Dad says, if Jesus were alive today, he'd say, hey, don't spend all those millions of dollars to run a Super Bowl ad about me. Instead, use that money to feed the poor and house the unhoused. Sure, he gets us, to, but we, but do we get him? Really? Really? But the, most of the ads that uh, or the response to that are because people think that that's right wing, you know, aren't aren't people of faith both? political parties, maybe a, a variety of political parties. You're the religion editor for KMOX, Fred. I would are say Democrats, so. Democrats, uh, the only people who love Jesus are Republicans, right? <laughs> that's what we're being told? And that's that's ridiculous. Uh, what about the uh, John Hamm ad? Okay, here's what we said at the time, right? God bless him, right? We're so happy that he emerged from his cocoon in St. Louis. He went to Mizzou. He was in one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest shows of all time, um, Mad Men. I watched that entire series twice, and I could probably do it again every episode. I loved it so much. But can he not say no? Can we teach John to say no to at least one campaign? I don't know. Would you say no to a Super Bowl ad? No, I would not. However... If I was doing a bunch of ads with Flo and people were making fun of me, and he, 
He doesn't, I don't know. I could say he doesn't need the money, but look, if I were in John Hamm's position, I would do exactly the same thing because you don't know when things are going to dry up. You take the gig, I get it. I'm kind of making fun of him because I'm jealous, but <laughs> he is, I, I would say on the serious note, I think Sue would agree with this as well. I think he's in the overexposed category at I this think, point. I think two of my least favorite ads, one was like a roast of Mr. Peanut. I don't know if I really understood that one. I don't know yeah. if I saw that. Yeah, I, I it wasn't can't explain special. it. It wasn't anything special. And the M&M's one. Yeah, where, what was up with, with Maya, that? Maya, Maya. Right. Now, I mean, that was the whole thing where they, they backed off on the colored M&Ms and then Maya Rudolph. I didn't even get that one. I didn't understand it. late in the game, they showed it and it looked like the M&Ms were back. I think it was all like a Super Bowl ploy for M&M. Like they came out like a month ago saying, hey, we're going to put a pause on the candies. And then they brought them back immediately. So I think it was just for the Super Bowl. Okay, I don't like just it. Just a new name. Now I'm, now I'm protesting M&M. And did you I notice, know what they did. was this the first time that Anheuser-Busch gave up its monopoly on um, beer ads? Well, I don't think so, because I think that they've backed off the past few years where most of their ads have been on the, the pregame coverage, not necessarily the game itself. Because they had that well, one Bush, really good one. You know, Bush, the, where you couldn't... the Bush Lights ad, though, right? That was the Miles Teller ad was for Bush, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 But so. there was that one where you couldn't tell if it was for Miller Light or Coors Light, and it turned out being for Blue Moon. Yep. That well, one got my family. Right. But and they, my... That's because they own them all. That's exactly what same. my dad said. He was yeah. like, ah, they own them all. It's all the same. And I right. was like, oh, man. Yeah. That's why they did that. All right. Fred, <laughs> you know, okay, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say we have to do Sue's News, and we're running a little late. So I want to do. We have Congressman um, uh, Jason Smith coming up. Are you ready? Yep. Sue's out. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now Sue's News. Brought to you by Sue. So, I, I'm thinking maybe doing like a, Abby, what do you think about, we can, Fred Bottomer, or Fred Bo- <laughs> he gets us. Right. Like a, he gets <laughs> us. He gets theme. us. I like that. He gets us. I like that. You know what people didn't get? People didn't get Disney um, doing a, like a three, uh, 30 second ads, one long ad during the Super Bowl. Because they're saying they're, they're, they're laying off, it, it was like saluting the Disney Corporation oh. for a hundred years of, of, you know, providing entertainment to everyone. And, you know, three, probably three ads at six, seven million dollars an ad was 20 million dollars. And people are saying, hey, you're laying off 7000 people. Should you really be spending 20 million dollars on Super Bowl ads? But Super Bowl, you know, it's a big deal. But Fox said that uh, they owed them the money. So oh, really? Good, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? See Gutfeld's commercial, by the way? You got yeah, like a that was short. Minute commercial? That was fast. Yeah. Well, that was kind of more like a promo, right? I don't, yeah. think, I don't think they were invoicing the news division for that, <laughs> but that was good. Good oh, for Greg. Did you hear those two veterans that haven't missed a Super Bowl were at this one? No. There were two guys. There were five guys originally. Uh, they were all in um, the war together. They've gone to every Super Bowl since it started. Uh, unfortunately, one of them recently passed away. The two other two others couldn't make it. But the remaining two, Sylvan Schleffler and Harvey Rothenberg, um, were at the game. So that was 57 in a row, all 57 Super Bowls they've been able to see. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Um, a very easy way for me, I told Fred this, to remember. I never can forget the age of the arch or the number of the Super Bowl because it matches my current age. <laughs> I, can nev- I can never remember. I can, well, that's the only reason I can remember. Yeah, 50, what number is Super Bowl? Well, 57 because I, I turned 58 in two months. So. Uh, did, did you do the box office yet today? No. Magic Mike's Last Dance was number one, 8.2 million. That doesn't sound like a lot. It's 
it doesn't sound like a lot, Fred, because it's not a lot. That that would be a disaster <laughs> if you're getting eight point. Are you kidding me? Yeah, eight point two million. Is that because of the Super Bowl? People didn't go. Or the movie sucks, too. I mean, I didn't see a lot. Abby, did you see a lot of advertising for that? Now, I watch male-dominated programming, so I don't think I would have been throwing a lot of ads for Magic Mike. But Yeah, I, the first commercial I ever saw for it was during the Super Bowl. So Becky saw an much. ad two nights ago for it, and she didn't know it was coming out. So I, I don't yeah. think they promoted it. For, who knows? Avatar, re- Avatar was number two. I do remember going to the first one. So when the first one came out, I did not see the critic screening, which was a little unusual. I was doing a lot of movie stuff at the time. And um, we decided to go on a Friday night, Becky and I. So we go to Ronnie's on a Friday night. Fred, swear to God, I told you about this at the time. Yeah. I was the only man in the entire <laughs> theater. And when I moved in, there were hoots and hollers. When I walked into the theater, there were hoots and hollers. What? Yeah, well, just because I was the only man. It wasn't because I looked anything <laughs> special. But they wanted. I think they wanted to... St- I was treated like a piece of meat is what I'm trying to tell oh, you, Abby. That's really gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. But it was an interesting, unique experience for sure. Oh, did, um, did you see any of the movie trailers during the Super Bowl? The, Just the a couple. Indiana Jones one looked yeah. kind of good to me. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And what was the um, Flash? Yeah, Flash was a big one. Yeah, that seems seems pretty good to me, too. Um, okay, so Super Bowl aside, did you hear about McDonald's had to pull one of its ads in England? No. Yeah, they've got this product or, or something called the McCrispy. Okay, and um, they had to take it down. It was um, the ad was up. Uh, on a billboard in the town of Cornwall. Unfortunately, it was right next to a crematorium. And so the word McCrispy offended a lot of people. You know what that is, Fred? Yeah. Inappropriate. (laughs) So McDonald's released a statement saying, we were unaware of the road sign in the vicinity of this area. However, in light of the concerns, we've removed it. Okay, well, that's just kind of bad luck, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Kind of funny, too, though. The uh, Valentine's Day is coming up tomorrow, and Google did their Google Trends on what people are searching for dates, Mm -hmm. and they ranked them by states. And I know you hate these state rankings, um, but here we go. It's because they're goofy. Yeah, it is. It is. So apparently the most popular Valentine's date coming up uh, is going to be going to the movies, followed by hitting up a miniature golf place or going to an escape room. Okay. So by states, Missouri's most popular searched thing to do for Valentine's Day, indoor mini golf. Yeah. I didn't where where's okay, there, do we, do we where's have their that? indoor mini golf? Yeah, question. I don't know. I guess outdoor's too cold right now. Well, it's well, supposed to be right really now. nice tomorrow. Yeah. So Oh, okay. I'm not aware of any indoor. I'm sure there are, but I, I don't know of any. The yeah. only one I can think of is inside of an incredible pizza. Like, you know, the incredible oh, pizza cup. Okay, cow. yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the only one I can think of, but I don't know. Uh, Illinois' favorite dating place was going to a cooking class. Hmm? And Fred, you wonder why I hate these lists. Really, <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. it's mysterious to me why I would hate them. All right, miniature golf was number one in California, Kansas, and Washington. Bowling was number one in Pennsylvania and Louisiana. Arcades. Let, let me, this is why these things are so stupid. The, the, how many people are in Missouri? few million people, right? How many people are going to go miniature golfing tomorrow night? Five, probably. Okay? <laughs> and it's the most popular thing to do? Yeah. Um, going to throw the challenge flag at that What's one. a rage room? That was really big in Idaho. They're like rooms you pay to just smash stuff in. So, like, they give you a sledgehammer and you can just break things. 
That, oh. by the way, sounds like my kind of room. <laughs> I think, I'm more interested take, in finding one of those than an your, indoor miniature take golf Take your place. racquetball. Yes. Racket oh, my God. There. I got a good story on that, too, Fred. <laughs> Holy crap. Can I, I just tell that real quickly because sure. you brought oh, it up? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I played, remember, on, on Friday. So just nobody cares, but I'm in this league now at the MAC, and I've been playing people. And Kerber, Chris Kerber from the Blues, is in my is in my divi- like in my league, right? So we've been playing outside of the matches because I don't even know if we've been assigned an official match yet, uh, which we will because we're both in like the B group. There's the A, B, C. So I I played on Friday. I played Chris, and I beat him like one game, and I took him pretty pretty you know tight down to the third game. So I had my league match on Saturday afternoon. A guy named Steve. I text him. I'm like, hey, we're supposed to play this week. And we, we were tr- having trouble finding a time that we could agree on. We decided 3 o'clock, right? So I get there at about a quarter to 3. He rolls in soon after that. I remember looking at the clock at 2.56, okay? We started, yeah, the crowd knows where this is going, right? 2.56, I look at the, the, the clock. We were done by 3.12. No. He dismantled me. How many games? Just two. One, two? Okay. Because there need there didn't need to be a Two third, but okay. it was like I don't know if it was because I was so used to playing Kerber and Kerber's a lefty, but this guy he like confused me. That would be it, I think. Oh, it was just <laughs> dismantling. It was just embarrassing. And then I was all pissy afterwards, of course, because that's what I do. So I had to text the guy. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm a big baby and a sore loser, but man, it's just humiliating. Essentially, this was such a brilliant move for me to go back into a sport that died 40 years ago and came up myself to. I'm real happy with myself. Sorry, Fred. Go ahead. That's okay. No, let's just jump to the random fact. Let's do it. All right. William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy uh, acted together once two years before Star Trek. They both guest starred in an episode of the show The Man from Uncle. You know, the only reason I think I know that is because I've heard that randomly oh. in the past, not necessarily on Sue's News, but I think I did know that. But there Shatner you go. Shatner played a good guy. Nimoy was the bad guy. That's Fred Bottomer, ladies and gentlemen, wrapping up Sulis News. She'll be back tomorrow afternoon. Missouri Congressman Jason Smith, he is the chair of House Ways and Means. Big COVID hearing on fraud last week. He's going to update us on that and a whole lot more. We might even talk about balloons. Coming up next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Last week, we highlighted on Thursday some of the numbers, the math, the outrageous math from the, the COVID fraud hearings and the uh, the brand new chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, Missouri Congressman Jason Smith, is with us this afternoon to talk about that. And maybe we'll touch on balloons and the like. Congressman, how are you this afternoon? It's great to be with you, Mark. How about that Chiefs victory yesterday? That was fun, wasn't it? it? You know, it was it was a great Super Bowl and it, it, it's good for our state. So. Pretty exciting, especially whenever all the folks in 
around the country are picking Philadelphia, and I guess they counted the Chiefs out, which I love it when they count us out and we come back and win. That was one of the reasons I, I kind of felt good about the game, and I never have good instincts, but I thought, you know what, they're playing with a little chip on their shoulder. I knew how good the Eagles were, but that was awesome, and they, they have the parade set for Wednesday in Kansas City. So going back to the, the COVID issue, Congressman, I played some of the audio. I think you were on Cavuto, and I played some of the audio from the hearings. Let's talk about this COVID fraud because the numbers, and we some of us knew this. You and I have talked for years. We knew some of this was going to happen, obviously, when all the money is handed out like candy. But I'd even have to say that the numbers are more staggering than I would have expected. They're terrible. You know, um, the – the IG is claiming roughly $191 billion that they have estimated so far, but that's on the minimum. And you have other reports where it could be up to north of $400 billion. And when you're looking at this entire program, there was $878 billion, and you're almost hitting 50% of fraud. It, yeah, yeah. It, it, Mark, it alarmed me, like – I, I said, well, give me some examples of some of the biggest aspects of fraud. There was one individual that did unemployment claims in 29 states and got over a half a million dollars. And that's not even to mention the foreign actors, the people in Africa and the Middle East and other countries stealing the money through unemployment. You know, what's interesting is in, in frightening is as we just sit here and talk, I just decided to, to put in COVID fraud in the Google search. And here's what comes up. Wheeling man faces COVID fraud, drug distribution charges. West Virginia man, probably the same guy, COVID fraud. Spokane woman pleads guilty in COVID fraud. Um, all these Louisiana men use info of inmates. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And, and that's just like you indicated, scratching the surface because these are the ones that we know about at this point. It is just the beginning. I'm so glad that the House Republicans have the majority because there have been zero oversight hearings for the last three years that the, that the Democrats were in charge. Um, we asked for hearings. We have to bring sunlight to the issues at hand, try to get some of this money recouped that's back that, that these fraudulent actors have stolen. Um, in my opinion... This is the greatest theft of tax dollars in American history. It, it sure and what seems that is way. happening yeah. with COVID. I don't think that's an overstatement. And I, I remember, boy, if you go back a couple of summers, I certainly could have predicted something along those lines. And I think others did as well. But the bottom line at this point is, outside of exposing it, do you think there's something we can do to recoup some of the money? Is that realistic? Absolutely. You know, Biden formed this pandemic, the, the pandemic prosecutor, which is actually resigned in December. And there's an acting one. Um, they've gotten like a couple million dollars through the Justice Department. But we're talking about billions, not millions. We're talking about billions. So they're going to have to continue to be aggressive. We're going to have to keep their feet to the fire to make sure that that we can pull this money back because these people should be in prison for what they have done to the tax dollars. So what what would be the next step on some of this when it comes to, to more hearings? Are there things that are planned already? There's, there's some items that I think that we can pass just through the legislative side that could be very helpful. For example, um, we are working on some legislation right now to incentivize the different states that if they go after and they, they 
they find this unemployment fraud and they collect it, they can keep a percentage of it. So basically, it gives an incentive to all the different states' unemployment to go after fraud because, of course, they'll be able to keep a percentage. Um, that is one tool that we can use, but also we have to continue to push the Justice Department to focus on this. I mean, they're focused on classified documents of Biden and Pence and Trump. Maybe states need to be focused on these billions of dollars of fraud. Uh, and not only that, but maybe focused on how we might be able to avoid this the next time something like this happens, where we just hand out all this money. It is quite stunning. Are you taking, am I misunderstanding this, are you taking some of these committee hearings for Ways and Means on the road to a certain extent? We are. The very first hearing that we had was in West Virginia, in Appalachia, because I wanted just real Americans, Mark, to tell us about the issues that they're facing. And it was great to hear from small business owners um, from American workers, we had coal miners telling us of just the issues they're, they're facing, whether it's inflation, whether it's regulation, whether it's just tax penalties that have been pushed through the Inflation Reduction Act, the American Rescue Plan, different items, and, and hearing their solutions, and that is how good policy can be created. I, we don't need to be in the marble halls of Washington, D.C., to figure out um, the solutions. We need the solutions to come from the American people. And we're going to continue to have these these hearings. The Ways and Means Committee's never had a filled hearing since I had been there um, until a week ago, whenever we did in West Virginia. I didn't even know that was possible. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, I think that you have to, to go where the people are. A lot of times, being in that that place in Washington, D.C., it's it's like you're so unapproachable and, and you're so disconnected. We have to get where real Americans are. We're trying to have the next one in the Midwest, and, and we're going to continue to hit all over the country and on different issues, whether it's rural health care, whether it's economy, whether it's trade policy, whether it's Social Security. Yeah, um, I love that. We're going to be having hearings on everything. I love that, Congressman. You know, taking it a step further, one of the things that I've advocated over the years, it'll never happen. This is great that something like this is happening, that the uh, legacy media come out to the hinterlands, like the flyover states like Missouri. Let's do something in Springfield, Missouri, or in Columbia, Missouri, and, and talk to the real people who are affected by this. You know, Fox does this. They go out, they go to cafes, and they talk to real people. But you, you generally don't see that, and that's why we don't get a lot of attention. Now, you mentioned Social Security. Obviously, Social Security... And and Medicare have been in the uh, headlines just a little bit. The president kind of goes after Republicans last week. He feels like he brought you all together and sort of pinned you down in a moment of unity during that State of the Union, Congressman. What would you say about that? If the president thinks he brings us together by making false statements of our position, he's quite clueless. It, it's really unacceptable. He has been told time and time again that the Republicans will not be cutting Social Security and Medicare. They're not tying it to the debt limit, but he continues to go off of basically a few fringe Republicans. You know, the way I look at it, Mark, if you're going to go off the fringe, there's people in the Democrat Party that want to defund the police. There's people in the Democrat Party that doesn't believe that we should have borders. There's people in the Democrat Party believes that if they disagree with your political speech that you should be evicted from Congress. But is that the entire Democrat Party? No, but there are members of Congress that believe all of those things. And so if we want to paint the entire Democrat Party by those, 
those extremists, we can do that. So this is another one of those big stories in Washington. John Kirby today. Uh, when it comes to these higher altitudes, are America's borders secure? The president uh, takes, uh, as I said earlier, he takes uh, our national security uh, extremely seriously. He has no higher responsibility than the safety and security of the American people. And I don't think you need to look any further, quite frankly, than the decisions he's made in just the last week to 10 days. So it's a lot of confusion. Congressman Wagner called the show a week ago Friday when this thing was just flying over our area, heading down toward your district, I think, eventually. But what the hell is going on? Because now this is sort of weird, even weirder than it was a week ago with all these other objects, UFOs being shot down. What do you know? It's madness. You know, it crisscrossed across Missouri. In fact, the flight trail over our congressional district was nuts. It basically did a a complete square over the Marshall National Forest and then left the state near Cape Girardeau. But it Never before in my lifetime or your lifetime, Mark, have we had spy balloons where our government has shot down four flying objects of some degree in the last 10 days. The last time we had to shoot something down in our airspace was during Pearl Harbor. That, that, that's just unconscionable that we're even concerned with this. And it also tells you how 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 big of a threat China is. We've said for such a long time that China is a threat. They're stealing our intellectual property. They're spying on us. They're wiring tap, wiretapping elected officials to try to get information, and they're trying to spy on our military bases. They're not our friend. They're our enemy, and, and I think Americans are starting to wake up to it. The most bipartisan thing we've seen in Congress is pushing back on China, which is a great thing when you have Republicans and Democrats working together because they understand the threat that China is on the U.S. Absolutely. Uh, Missouri Congressman Jason Smith, one more question just out of curiosity. This has been a big story here for uh, a few days now, this whistleblower report from the Transgender Clinic at Washington University and Children's Hospital. Did you get a chance to look at that horrific story at all? I did read that story. Uh, It's extremely disappointing. And I'll tell you, my team's actually doing research. Um, As you know, the Children's Hospital there in St. Louis is a non-for-profit. My committee has jurisdiction over all non-for-profit hospitals. Um, And I want to make sure that these folks are operating the way that they should. I'm quite disappointed if what I read in there is exactly what's going on. Yeah, and and there's a new affidavit that's out from Jamie Reed, who wrote the uh, whistleblower story last week. And obviously all of it matches up with what she wrote, but there's additional information in there you would want to take a look at. Congressman, always great to have you on. I'm glad the Chiefs won. Thanks for checking in with us this afternoon. I appreciate it. Good chatting with you, Mark. All right, take care. We have Frank Cusimano on this Monday afternoon to talk Super Bowl, maybe a little baseball. Spring training started today. Coming up next. That game last night was a heck of a game. Uh, You really, I I know Philly's hanging their head a little bit, but nobody really lost. I mean, it was two great teams playing each other and uh, and two great cities. Frank Cusimano with us from KSDK. He's being diplomatic, but there was a winner and there was a loser in the 57th Super Bowl, Frank, and it was the Kansas City Chiefs that will have a parade on Wednesday. How about that game? It was a hell of a game, I thought. It really was. And some of these Super Bowls are kind of disappointing, but, man, that was it was heart-stopping. Maybe the ending wasn't quite as dramatic as we wanted because we kind of knew what was going to happen after the uh, Eagles ran out of timeouts and KC set up the field goal. But, wow. You know, and, Mark, we talked about this on Friday. If you have the best coach, and they do, if you have the best quarterback, and they do, 
you're going to win games. And if those two stick together, I think Andy Reid, he's not going to leave now. He's got Patrick Mahomes in the prime of his career. You know, it'd be like leaving Sophia Loren when she's 31. You can't do this. <laughs> Ooh, I like that analogy. It was it was really just a great game, and it, it could have gone either way. There's no doubt about it. Um, I just wanted to – one thing I wanted to clear up because there's a lot of tweets that didn't – age well, I would say, from last night. It was James Bradbury himself, the quarterback for the Eagles, who came out and said, yep, I held him. It was a hold, and it should have been a penalty. A lot of folks thought that wasn't a penalty, but even the guy who committed the penalty admitted it was a penalty. Yeah, <laughs> that really kind of kind of moved the narrative because I think many of us, including myself, was wondering, did you really have to make that call doesn't that happen almost every play? Do you have to make it in the single most important moment of the 2023 football season? I don't know. I'll tell you the one thing I really didn't like, and I don't know how you feel about this, is I don't know what a catch is. The NFL doesn't know what a catch no, is. No, I know. Because yep. Nick Bolton should have had a second touchdown because that was a legitimate catch when he picked up that fumble. I don't understand that. I don't either. There were a couple. That, how a catch is defined and where that bobble takes place, I, I really don't know. And if you just even listen to those guys on the coverage yesterday, they were confused by it as well. Uh, we're never going to have any perfect rules. But on the on the call at the end of the game, I think that if you looked at the second half of the play, you're like, wait a second, that wasn't a you know that wasn't a penalty. But you can definitely see that he grabbed the jersey, and that's going to get called every time, whether it's the end of the game in the Super Bowl or not. It's it's definitely going to be a penalty. But it was it was great for the Chiefs to. To, to come back, win that game, and I think they kind of dazzled them with some of those plays. And Andy Reid coming off the bye, we talked about that essentially a bye because they had two weeks. That's always a very powerful combination with um, with Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and uh, the guy that used to coach here in St. Louis on the defensive side as well. Steve Spagnuolo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that is interesting. He, he's 28-4 and four coming off a bye. But you know what? I really thought it was interesting that you have that extended halftime program. You know, Peyton Manning famously said earlier this season that all that talk about halftime adjustments, it's a bunch of baloney. And he may be right. But when you have a Super Bowl where you have Rihanna out there and it's extended and you have a lot of time to change some things, I think halftime adjustments are essential. And you, when you have one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football with about 30 minutes to come up with some things. I mean, Mark, he just flat out fooled Kansas City. I've never seen so many open touchdowns there in that goal line situation. I mean, that was a, a masterful art of coaching. I said today that my Mount Rushmore of greatest offensive minds in football history, it's Sid Gilman, father of the modern-day passing game, Don Coryell, Bill Walsh, and Andy Reid. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, Frank. It was definitely impressive, and they do have the parade coming up on Wednesday in Kansas City. By the way, not to overshadow it because it's kind of overshadowed with the Super Bowl, Hell of a game for Mizzou. Oh, my God. The cheers that went out in every living room and sports bar watching the end of that game against Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. What a thriller. Yeah, i tell you what. You know, number one, you did it against the sixth-ranked team of the country in their backyard. And number two, you do it in such swashbuckling fashion. And number three is, Mark, we talked about this the other day, and not every team can say this, but if Mizzou is really knocking down their threes at a high percentage, and I think they were 14 to 26 against Tennessee, they can beat anybody. They can beat Bill Walton's UCLA Bruins. And they just, they have so many guys who knock down threes. And gosh, there's Golston. That's two for him this season yeah. at the buzzer, the other one. 
was against Central Florida. I just love this team. I love the whole story. Well, and you can't count them out again. I mean, they kind of needed to after dropping that one on the road last weekend. And, you know, they, they rebound um, at home, but it wasn't really convincing. To go on the road against Tennessee in a very tough situation with a great team and to just get it done, now you got Auburn. They're not playing that well right now, Bruce Pearl's team. So there is a chance. But even if you don't win tomorrow, to nab that one on the road, kind of making up for a week ago Saturday is really important when it comes to the seating coming up. Yeah, and, and the worst injustice in American sports today is the fact the AP came out with their top 25 and Mizzou is not in there. Despite playing in the toughest conference in America, well, the second toughest, Big 12 is probably a little better, but for them to have now five signature victories and for them not to be ranked, give me a break. I think it's ridiculous, too. They did show up, I think, at number 24 in the other poll, though, right? Uh, the one that matters, they're 26. Yeah, it's just it is ridiculous. Yeah. I suppose the only reason I'm not that worried about it, I'd like to see them get attention. They put a couple more wins together. They're definitely going to be ranked. And what I'm all about right now is trying to nail this five or six seed. Let's make sure we're not an eight or nine, right? You you don't want to slide to that because then you got to face potentially the number one seed in the second game. So you keep winning here, and you still have a chance for a double buy in the SEC tournament, which would be huge. Yeah, who would have thought that? A completely new team, completely new coach in this hellacious conference and getting a double bye in the SEC tournament. That's amazing. Uh, do we want to talk about the Blues over the weekend? They had a good win. Yeah, I kind of, um, yeah, it was. It, they were on the cusp of having a horrendous loss because they squandered a 5-2 lead to a very mediocre Arizona team. But it ends up being a great story because it's 6-5. It's Ryan O'Reilly, who's one of the most enduring St. Louis sports figures, scoring there. And I still doesn't. I still don't think that this changes the overall game plan for Doug Armstrong. There's going to be some big movement coming up before the deadline. But you know, it'd be kind of cool is they got three more games at home if they were to go on a little bit of run here and, and kind of get back in the playoff picture. So who knows? But you got to root for Ryan O'Reilly. All right, Frank. We will talk on Friday afternoon. You have a great week. Okay, Mark, take care. I, I mentioned that at the beginning of the show, so I always spend a little bit of money in Vegas, and we can't do that legally here in Missouri like you can in Illinois. But my friend Rick, who lives out there, we shoot him money usually every weekend to do parlays. So I made a bunch of prop bets yesterday, um, some money on tails, the Chiefs to score the longest TD. I think I got that one. The Eagles to make the first field goal. Got that one. The game decided by exactly 14 points. There were good odds on that. That did not come in. Uh, Kelsey and A.J. Brown to each score a TD. I hit that one. I should say we. My wife and I did these together. Um, Marquez Valding, uh, Valdez Scantling scores a TD. No, that did not happen. In fact, I never saw his name called yesterday. Uh, Travis Kelsey to score a TD in the first half. I got that one. The Chiefs first score field goal or safety. That was not something that happened. Who will score a TD first, Jalen Hurts over Kelsey? I got that one. Uh, who will record a first sack? Chris Jones did not get that one. Then I had win money on the Chiefs. But here's what's interesting. So I placed these. My friend in Vegas places these with William Hill. The William Hill Sportsbook app. I can pull it up on my phone here in Missouri, but it won't allow me. I can put my passcode in there. It shows me all the bets. It just will not allow me to place the bet. You have to be... You know, they do the the geo-targeting or whatever the hell they call it. So you have to be in Nevada. Same thing with Illinois. If you're you know betting on FanDuel or whatever, you would have to be across the river for it to work. Well, right before the Super Bowl yesterday, the William Hill Sportsbook app went down before the game started. And this is also the platform that serves for the Caesar Sportsbook app. So big, big apps. 
it's still down. I checked my phone a short time. I have no idea. My friend can't even go in and see if I won, how much I won, none of that. Anyone who bet on the Super Bowl, William Hill or Caesars, unable to see their results because the app's been down for more than 24 hours. I don't know what that ID IT department is going through right now, but uh, I just like a little of my money. I mean, I probably won eight bucks total, but I'd like to see it. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.